Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute? Is that right? Did I do it right? episode of Superman Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies us. 1980s Superman 2, The Adventure Continues, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Franklin, and joining me on this journey through time and space is... Rob Kelly. Hey, Rob, how's it going? Things are great. I'm super excited because we have a guest this time for our first time this season. We have a guest. Woohoo! Yes, yes. You know him from the website where Orange and Brown are still cool and also the podcast <laughs> that celebrates all the stuff we love about the 70s and 80s from Plaid Stallions and Pod Stallions. It's our pal, Brian Heiler. Hey, Brian. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming back. It's great to have you back on the show again. Yeah, it's fun. And I love I loved this scene, so I'm excited to do this. Oh, great. Great. Yeah. So so what's your history with uh, Superman 2, Brian? Um. Superman 2 is a very happy memory for me. I My grandmother would take me to the Superman movies. My dad would take me to the Star Wars movies. I didn't go to the movies a lot, but it was this weird hierarchy. If a new Superman <laughs> movie came out, my grandmother took me. And Superman 2, I'll, I'll never forget it. it you know, the, the early 1980s, uh, I, my head was pretty much in Star Wars. And Superman 2 kind of re-energized my love of superheroes again. It, it, it spiked me again. And I can honestly remember that running out of the Oshawa Center um, theater and going to the toy store that was right across. There was a Dominion Playworld. And I wanted to pick up a new Mego because I hadn't bought a new Mego in like a year. But they only had Mixelplank. <laughs> <laughs> Just a wall of Mixelplank. And I bought, I bought one. I remember buying one. It's like, all right. <laughs> Oh wow, that's that's an awesome story. But of yeah. course, if you're if you're a Mego fan, you know that yeah, Mixie is is one of the was one of the uh, peg warmers of of the line. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, forever. <laughs> and and I was buying those in high school too. But the other thing that I re- really recall is you know it's one of those things where it was total immersion. My grandparents then took me to dinner at Ponderosa, you know Ponderosa Steakhouse, mm-hmm. and they had a Superman two promotion. Oh wow! You got movie post like posters from the movie, and so it was just this like Superman packed day, and I, you know very fond, happy memory of that movie. I mean, it, it's uh, you know the patina's worn off a bit on it when you watch it as an adult, but it's still like it's all just there for me, you know. That's oh, fantastic. <laughs> What's that? That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That's the best day ever. I mean, it is. It totally is. When you're a kid and like the when it when when the the movie experience extends past the the, the walls of the theater. Yeah. That's so exciting. It's just like Ponderosa. What a like random tie-in that is. It is. It was weird. And um it, the only one I could tie it like sync that to as well would be Star Trek the Motion Picture because they had like the McDonald's Happy Meals and there was you know a Marvel comic came out and like I remember that like I liked all that stuff more than the film itself <laughs> and you know I'm a huge fan I have all the toys and all that sort of thing but the movie itself I can't really sit through. But, <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's that's yeah. That we've we've got a few buddies that will defend that movie till they die. But yeah, there's a lot of people in that camp. Yeah, Gene, I, Hend- I Gene Hendricks is gnashing his teeth right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't hate the film. I just you know because it's so tied into all the stuff I like. But yeah, it's not. And I try. I, you know, <laughs> once in a while I'll pop it in like, eh, nope. You know, <laughs> Yeah. Yep. I've done the same thing. And I've had people like, oh, yeah, go back and watch it again with in this and then think about it in this way. And I'm like, yeah, no, I I do have a Ponderosa story that it's it. There Ponderosa opened and uh, my town, like in the mid 80s, it's gone now, but it was was here for a while. And when it first opened, it was really, oh, wow, we got a steakhouse, you know, and it was a big deal. And and I remember going there and when early when it first opened and also getting a promotional item from a movie. But unfortunately, it was a mini spy camera from Leonard Part Six with Bill. Oh, <laughs> I hope you saved it. That's worth tens of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, that, that Superman Two or Leonard Part Six. There you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Slight okay. decline in quality. Yes, definitely. Although Bill Cosby does appear in this movie, as Rob and I have pointed That's out. That's right, His picture yes. is on the wall in the Daily Planet office. Really? <laughs> yep. Yes. Wow. Sim- I... Somewhat unfortunate nowadays. <laughs> well, you know, that was the most fun I had with watching this scene, is I can't believe the cameos in this. There are some nerd-famous people in this scene, and, and it's great. Okay, so we're going to jump into the minutes here. Our minutes begin with the Phantom Zone villains leaving the moon for Planet Houston. And end, and end with Clark and Lois on their honeymoon? What? Uh, what? <laughs> uh, we see that Zod is very excited about finally being able to rule somewhere. And then he and his crew fly off. Now, Brian, I'm sorry. This is this is all you get of, of General Zod and, and crew in this minute. So if you want to wax poetic about uh, a Terrence Stamp or, or – uh, Sarah Douglas or Jack O'Halloran, go right ahead, because this is all we're going to get to see of them in this, in this well, sequence. Well, you know, I was particularly amused by the um, – uh, one, I, I didn't realize it was that. I thought we were doing villains on the moon, <laughs> but I did watch <laughs> I did watch a whole bunch of this, so I'm, I'm good. But um, the thing that I really enjoyed about this is there's some – I guess some cut-for-time scenes that are on YouTube – and it, it has a, a scene of Zod, extended scene of Zod saying something to the point of, you know, I have a place to rule and all Ursa wants to do is kill men. You know, so like, like she's really easily satisfied and they don't even care what Nan wants. You know, like, it's, it's like he gets no, he gets no say, you know, no satisfaction out of this. Just follow us, dummy. And I kind of I kind of thought that was funny, you know, like when you're watching it now. But yeah, um, Terrence Stamp is he's he's on 11 here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, he, it's one of the great bad guy performances of all time. It's like Darth Vader and Khan level of hissable bad guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and it's it's kind of wonderful. I, I think um, Michael was it Michael um, Shannon could have injected a little more into that. Mm, right. I, you know, I, he didn't have to go camp, but I would have liked him to be just a little bit more uh, delusional. I guess. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think then they were trying to sell Zod like Zod has a legitimate point of view, you know, from, you know, from his perspective, this all seems like the thing to do. And yeah, they were they were making him, you know, he thinks he's the hero. And that that is a good way of of writing a villain. I'm not going to say that. But I guess, you know, expectations of General Zod is you kind of play it a little um, 
play it a little broad. <laughs> right. Well, you know, we we've talked about it on our previous recordings, but uh, Terrence Stamp said he enjoyed playing a two-dimensional character. He, it was refreshing for him to play a guy that's just straight up evil. You know, that's like, yeah. and he's he's like completely just you know he's he's not he doesn't want to Zod to be redeeming in any way. The only thing that redeems him is because Terrence Stamp is just so effortlessly charming, you know, basically what redeems him, but, but, uh, at at all. Uh, so yeah, it's a totally different perspective, but yeah, I kind of, I do kind of like, it's, I like an old fashioned hissable villain as Rob said. So yeah. 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 Yeah, It's, it's fun. It's like, um, I think the greatest two dimensional villain is Jeremy Irons in Dungeons and Dragons. If you guys ever (laughs) seen that. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. he, He is not caring at all. Like he, he is, he might as well have a big mustache in it, you know, so he could twirl something because it's just so it's played so pantomime. It's unbelievable. He clearly didn't care or, or that he was just going for that. I'm not a hundred percent (laughs) sure. That that's pretty when you can when you when you when you can't tell if it's a bad performance or it's a great performance. Yeah, if he's, if he's doing this bad. on purpose or he's doing it to be a jerk. I don't I don't know. Like it's it's or he was instructed to play it that way. I have no idea. But it, I I love that performance because it's it just doesn't it like you know the it it's just so incredibly cardboard. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we have, we have, we have really. I mean, we talked about Leonard Part Six. And now the the, uh, the Dungeons and Dragon movie. So it's what we. Yeah. Wow. This is quite a tour of some of Hollywood's best. <laughs> you, you, you bring on somebody with ADHD, and they go all over the place. <laughs> no, this is what makes it fun. This is great. <laughs> uh, uh, then we uh, transition from the moon to a kind of an odd transition to a cityscape on Earth at night. Uh, and then to Lex's prison, which I assume is far from the city limits. So the whole, the whole cityscape scene we gets kind of, kind of weird. And it, 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 you know, it kind of threw me. I'm like, wait a minute, what are, what are we going to when I watch this again for the first time in a while? And I'm like, oh, we're we're at the prison. Oh, okay. You know, it's, it's just, yeah. yeah, this is kind of weird. Um, inside the guard, uh, inside we see in the prison, there's a guard doing a bed check of the prisoners and. Uh, Anybody want to fill me in on who this guard is? I, I can't. I couldn't find a credit, even though this guy has a bunch of lines. I, oh, I actually is... did. He's uncredited. Um, you know what? That's funny because I just had that screen up a minute ago. Um, <clears throat> I mean, he he has a bunch of lines. I couldn't. I, I mean, look. I I would admit my researching doesn't go further than the IMDb page, but. This is a guy that has a whole scene to himself where he's walking up the thing, 382 out, 383 out, 384. And, like, you know, and then he's like, lights out, Luther. Like, he gets a lot to do. I can't imagine that you could be this much in a movie and go uncredited. Well, I, 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 it's, I can tell you who it is. It's oh, uh, Angus McInnes, who is best known as the gold leader in Star Wars. Of course oh. he was in Star Wars. <laughs> you know, that's that's the fascinating thing. It's like because this was shot in England around the same time, there's so much Star Wars in this. Oh, yeah. mean, the astronauts, like one of them is Dak. Yeah, we mentioned that in the previous episode. Oh, okay, <laughs> gets, yeah, yeah. He gets crushed guys, in two different guys, movies. Yeah, did you – it's not farewell. Um, and did you guys catch the controllers in the last scene? Oh, yeah. That was, like Shane, Shane – Shane Rimmer, yeah. Yep, and Cliff yeah. Clavin, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, this movie is, is chock full of, of uh, yeah, like Brian said, it's chock full of connections to like everything late 70s, early 80s, and yeah. uh, Star Wars. 
Yeah. Yeah, especially UK, yeah, with a little John Ratzenberger. And of course he was in the first Superman movie at the at the missile control. Right, right. Uh, right. as well. So yeah, so yeah, it's but yeah, this is Agnes McGinnis who is uh, you know, famously the gold leader uh, in Star Wars. We see him, you know, we we only see him in the cockpit of <laughs> Of his, of his, uh, is he, is he an X-wing pilot? I think he's X-wing. Yeah, he's an X-wing pilot. I feel a little yeah. ashamed I didn't recognize him, considering how many yeah. times I've seen both these movies. I, I, <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little mad at myself. <laughs> he, he's Angus McInnes is of course Canadian and is in a Canadian classic film as well. He's in Strange Brew. Oh, oh my god, <laughs> that's your national movie, right? Yeah, it is. It's the it's shown every day. <laughs> Yeah, and I think he actually still lives. I think he actually lives in Canada. I think I've walked by him at toy shows. If I'm not oh my mistaken, God. <laughs> I thought I thought that was him. I could be wrong. Um, oh, wow. But yeah, he he or he has shown up at those things because yeah, he he he's from Windsor, which isn't that far from here. Oh wow! I wonder if he yeah. does the convention circuit like you because I mean he's got two. You, I mean, there are guys who have much less genre bona fides than him. That yeah. I've seen with tables, and they're like, I played Wolfman in the Star Wars Cantina scene. You're like, well, I guess I just have to believe you. But I yeah. mean, the, the, you know, this guy, you see his face in two gigantic nerd epics. I mean, I would think you would, he would just get, you would be able to dine out on that. Yeah, well, there's, and he's got, he's got some good horror credits. He's in, he's in a, um, he's in a couple of 80s horrors like Spasms and uh, Hell, Hellraiser 2. So yeah, there, there's probably, mm. good lord, he's even in Judge Dredd. Wow! He got oh my around. goodness! Wow! Yeah, Good for him. Yeah, yeah that's, that's that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, and I guess he kind of reappeared in Rogue One too, right? So you know, so oh, I uh, guess so. Yeah, because they cut footage of that back into that movie. That's true. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, he's still yeah, he's still working today, and yeah, it's 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 cool to see him here. That's he's definitely he's another one of those guys that he was in that that uh, documentary that Elstree seventy seven or whatever he, it was. Yeah, yeah. I loved that documentary. Yeah, that that was a really that's a great documentary about all the all the uh, the extras and the 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 actor. Well, not just extras. I mean, they had David Prowse on there too. I mean, but just all the the other actors in the Star Wars uh, in the first Star Wars movie. So, yeah, and there's some there's some mention of Superman in that as well, tying it all back in in the right. street. Yeah, yep. So yeah, that's uh, good to see him here. He's he's checking up on uh, Lex, and Lex won't respond to his requ- request to turn out the lights, as Rob was talking about. So he goes in to find Lex and Otis playing chess, except oh, yeah. then they disappear. <laughs> Holographic technology. <laughs> yes. Now we see that Lex has built a hologram projector in prison. Yes. I, again, we have to ask this question: Why not just patent this, Lex? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not just make a fortune? <laughs> why do you need to sink California and you know buy up all the land? I mean, you could after you sell, you know, you you patent this and sell the rights off to some technology company, then you can go buy an island and have all the land you want. You know? <laughs> yeah, I have a real love hate with Hackman's portrayal of Luthor and the film's portrayal of Luthor in general. Like, I get it, and I do love it, because it's linked to childhood, but it is pretty weird. Like, <laughs> it, is, it is it is, an odd... Like, it, it's it's completely... Make, Hackman's made it his own thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's... Yeah, it's... And Rob and I have kind of tried to reconcile, you know, like, you know, to a point, like, you know, because there are some people that, that put Hackman's Lex in the, like, the Batman... 
TV series camp. And then there's, you know, then there's others. It's like, oh, no, 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 it's, you know, totally different thing. And I think it's, I think you're right. I think he's, he looked at it from his, his own unique acting perspective. And they hired, they had Gene Hackman hired before they even knew what they were doing with this movie. You know? yeah, so. yeah, he was just the name, right? And, uh, like, I often think that they only hired Mario Puzo because he was connected to The Godfather. Mm-hmm. You know, like he, they, they just threw big names at this thing. Brando, Hackman, regardless if they were right for the parts or not. <laughs> they got Superman right. And I, I actually really love Brando's Jor-El. So I guess I guess I don't have a lot to complain about. Right. Yeah. But I, I think I think you're right. I think there's something to be said for, you know, they hired Gene Hackman to be Gene Hackman, basically. Yeah. Uh, and so they kind of. Uh, morphed the character of Lex around him, and there hadn't been any precedent for Lex that he was in the Superman versus Adam Man uh, or Adam Man versus Superman movie serial, you know. Uh, yeah. But that, you know, that was it. I mean, other he never he'd been on the filmation cartoon, but he hadn't, you know, th- there wasn't this precedent set for how Luthor would be portrayed in in live action. So yeah, and I'm not I'm not suggesting that they were going to be comic accurate. I don't think the I don't think the early seventies, the seventies, were ready for that sort of thing. They needed to have a little bit of tongue in cheek to to make it fly with a, that audience at that time. Like, yeah, uh, you know. And I mean, he is not the worst Luther on screen. <laughs> oh Lord, no! <laughs> in fact, I would take him now. I would take him back. I know he's about. 84 now something like that and he's retired yeah. unfortunately but uh well yeah they they posted a picture i was at a, a grocery store like a week ago and it said you know G- gene hackman's a recluse and he's retired shocking photos and i you know i picked it up and he looks great yeah you know, he, he's, he's, not... he's an old man but yeah he, he looks fine and yeah. he doesn't look sad or you know crazy he's writing he's books just... and stuff he writes westerns yeah, yeah i think he's just like i just don't want to be an actor anymore and it's like he has, yeah. he has every right to feel that way he's got an amazing career i mean it's funny you say that about the the fealty to the comic books because if anything this little contraption that he builds is right out of like challenge of the super friends Absolutely. i mean yeah. i mean that is yeah. i mean and i love that they don't explain it they don't explain yeah. really what it is or how he built it it's just like oh of course luthor built a hologram yeah, right. that a laser skip because he's like Luthor. You all don't understand. Yeah. It's you just have to run with it, and I love that part. Yeah, I yeah. like that too. That that's one of my favorite aspects of Challenge of the Super Friends. Is like the start of it is like show and tell. Yeah, like I yeah. built this this week, and yeah. it's amazing and could change the world. And they use it to rob a bank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this will erase everyone's memory of Hawkman. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Wait, that that could be really valuable. Let's run with this plan. Yeah. <laughs> I also say, I do want to say I love uh, the um, the sound effects. I mean, it's always a joke every year at the Oscars of like whoever wins for like best sound effects editing, and you're like, what what sound effects editing? I love the little sound that the hologram makes when you interrupt the the field, and it makes yeah. a little what. Yeah. I oh, love that yeah. little sound. It's, like, yeah. it's such a great little touch of just. I mean, obviously, it doesn't make a sound because it's just light that you're. But I just, I just think that's a nice touch that the minute Luthor disappears and then comes back, there's just that little, the little sound cue. I just think that's. I don't know. It's very memorable to me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, I, I, yeah, like that. Oh, sorry, Brian. Go ahead. No, now that you mention it, yeah, I remember that. And I, I, you're right. I like that little touch of science fiction. You accept that Luther built this in prison. Yeah. 
He's well, powering well, it. He found a way to power source it. I mean, it's all this kind of stuff. And it, it's sort of funny, again, we think about that that Luthor is such a comedy character in this movie, because why would you get Gene Hackman to play that? Because to this point, other than Young Frankenstein, Gene Hackman had not done a comedy. You no. would, you would, that was not the guy you thought of to do comedy. Obviously, he was very capable of it, but it, it, it's not like, oh, you know, we hired Dom DeLuise to play Lex Luthor. I mean, we've got this <laughs> very serious, dramatic actor. He won an Oscar for The French Connection. I mean, he was a pretty yeah. intense guy. I mean, obviously, they booked him because of his name, but it, it's yeah. an interesting idea that we're going to pair this very dramatic actor with a out-and-out comedy part. You know, that's, yeah. that's a very strange notion, and yet it, I think it worked. Well, I think anyone who's seen Loose Cannons knows that Gene oh, Hackman Lord. knows comedy. Um, yeah, I, oh, it, man. It is, why are we why are we mentioning all these horrible movies? This <laughs> because when you get me, <laughs> um, but yeah, I you're right. I do think that Young Frankenstein proves that he is absolutely hilarious. Yeah, um, and and that's probably why why they got him. And I think he had a desire to do it. If I'm not mistaken, that's why he did Young Frankenstein, is he liked doing comedy. Yeah, and I mean, he he pretty much, I mean, I hate to say it, but that scene, and I cannot watch the scene in Bride of Frankenstein without thinking of Young Frankenstein yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> every time, you know. I was going to make espresso, you know. <laughs> you know? It's a wonderful, yeah, it's, it's, it's a classic and wonderful scene. I love it. But yeah, it, it, I also um, always wondered and this is just me, why they gave a comedy Luthor a bumbling sidekick like Ned Beatty. I love Ned Beatty. He's a great actor. I just think it's really, um, it's re- like it's, they're really going for the yucks with this character. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it, it is very broad. I mean, it's, and, and we talked about that in the first film. It, it's, it's, it's it's one of those things that it, it could have very easily not have worked at all. I mean, they, 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 they kind of probably pushed it about as far as they could within the framework of the rest of the film. And because of the film, you know, it's, uh, you know, we've talked about the different, the different segments of the film have different, a different uh, tonal feeling to them. And, you know, everything's so very serious and near Shakespearean on Krypton and, you know, and, and then the heartwarming family atmosphere of Smallville. And then when you get to Metropolis, it gets a lot, you know, and I mean, Tom Makowitz is on one of the commentaries and he's like, then the jokes just start flying, you know, when they get to Metropolis. Yeah. And, and, and so, I mean, it's, it, it does. And I mean, and, and the epitome of that is the Lex Otis and Miss Tessmacher triangle. And it does get uh pretty yucky. I mean, not yucky, yucky, but like, yeah, yucky, but like yucks up, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jokes is- are, Nice. I'm not an expert on the film, but I know it's dual directed. Like it's, yep. it's part Donner and it's part Lester. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that Lester was the joke guy. Is, is well, that... you can't really because in this, every scene with Hackman is a Richard Donner scene. Okay, but um, like stuff like Mush Miss. Okay, that makes sense. But like the, the 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 scenes where he's not really in it, like the you know the the voiceover scenes. Yeah, that's Lester. Yeah. That's Lester. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Particular. I thought I found them silly as a kid. I liked them. I laughed at them. Um, I won't lie at that. But they're they're very very silly. And and Lester tended to go kind of silly with the film. Yeah. Yes, he did. Right. Yeah. And that's. I mean, we'll get into that. You know, 
later on in the movie, but of course, we, yeah. the, the big epic battle scene is pretty epic. And then all of a sudden Lester seems like, Oh, let's cram every gag we can in the next five minutes. You know? so. yeah. yeah. It becomes, it's a mad, 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 mad world there for a minute during the scenes in Metropolis. And I love that movie, but it's kind of not what I wanted Superman. But yeah, I mean this, the scene that's coming up where, where Otis is looking for the, the ladder, the rope ladder, and he yeah. can't find it. And that is very silly. And you know, if you didn't know that, None of the Donner scene, none of the Hackman scenes are, are Lester scenes. You'd think that that's Richard Lester because yeah, it's so I, I silly, but it's not. It's Richard Donner. And so you have to kind of say, well, okay, you know, like they just, we, it wasn't always as cut as dry, cut and dried as, you, as you'd think. And right. also, they're dressed like the little rascals would be yeah. if they went to prison. <laughs> like that, that's what kids think prisoner, you know, like that's, it's, it's right out of, um, it's, it's, it's right out of Saturday morning. And, right. um, I, you know, that's again, that's that's forgivable, <laughs> you know, given that's given that this is one of the first um, comic book movies to take itself even mildly serious. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah they look yeah, like it, they look like the Beagle Boys, practically, you know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that's kind of a nod to. Pro- well, I don't know if it's a nod to the comics, but of course, you know, before Luther got any sort of an outfit his his running gag was he would wear his prison stuff right right like you know he'd break out of prison and get right to work and and uh, <laughs> you know, he'd still be in his like his his usually it was like a blue outfit he'd be wearing or prison grays prison gray yeah he wouldn't even bother changing he's like well superman's gonna capture me at the end of this issue so yeah. i might as well <laughs> change my clothes right <laughs> But yeah, Lex and Otis, uh, you know, they've obviously escaped uh, with the, the, the hologram projector. So they're out in the yard and uh, there is <laughs> probably the broadest scene there is when uh, the, they're trying to evade the, the spotlights that are shining against the prison wall. And uh, Otis actually makes bunny ears over Lex's head, <laughs> which Luther squeals like a girl. He's like, ah! you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to suggest that could have been left out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do think that they may have been, and I know this is our buddy, this is mine and Rob's personal friend, Dick Donner, That's right. uh, directing this scene. But um, it, it uh, yeah, we, we could be pushing it a little here, guys. <laughs> I just, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's, it, it is kind of fun. So he sends uh, Otis out in the yard and tells him, you know, you're going to find go out there and find it. And he's like, well, what am I looking for? Well, you'll know it when you see it. And he runs into a rope ladder. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the uh, rope ladder is, uh, you know, calls Luthor over. And Luthor's got his, what he called his little black box, but it looks like a, like a transistor, like an old fashioned, just like a, a radio, yeah. like yeah, a transistor yeah, yeah. radio or something. But that makes sense. If he built it in prison, he may have built it out of somebody's radio or something. Yeah. Cause this is what he's going to use to track the, the alpha waves uh, to uh, catch uh, Superman. Um, and uh, where's that ladder lead into a hot air balloon floating above and who's inside, but Valerie Perrine, Miss Tessma. Talk yes. about a hot air balloon. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it's nice to see her, but then they go right into another kind of broad joke by having uh, Otis, be too heavy and bringing the um, the, the balloon down, <laughs> right? <laughs> and Ned Beatty isn't that heavy. I mean, that's the no. whole, 
there's all these fat jokes in these movies, in, in both movies. And Ed Beatty is not, I mean, maybe by this, today's standards, because, you know, we're all heavier than we were back in the 70s. Brian posts all these uh, these catalog pictures from the 70s on Plaid Stallions, and I'm like, nobody is that skinny nowadays. <laughs> yeah, you know? I, I, I can honestly remember, and these were less enlightened times, around this time, I went to what we used to have, uh, we have a fair every year in Toronto called the Canadian National Exhibition, CNE. And at one time they allowed freaks, you know, and, wow. and most of them most of them were made up. You know, the woman with the head, the body of a snake, you know, or, you know, a woman turns into a gorilla. But there was uh, there was still one that was like his name was Fat Albert. You paid a dollar to see an overweight man. And I did it because I was I was there like all week because my folks went every day. (laughs) And uh, I, you know, that guy wouldn't even qualify as that. (laughs) Like You wouldn't let bat an eye at that man now. Wow. You know, it was it was a strange thing. I felt really weird about doing it as a kid, but you you know you do everything. And you, it's just a man sitting in a chair smoking. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think that's... I think about that often. I'm like, he really wasn't that overweight. Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you can get past the dignity part, that's a good gig for him. Right. Well, I, I remember he said, "I'll stand up for a dollar." See, uh, look at that. that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He knew how to monetize. Good for him. He's working yeah. on brand. He'd, he'd have a Twitter account now and an Instagram. Yeah, he'd be, uh, he'd be set to go. Yeah. yeah they, I think they finally just ruled they were a ripoff and got rid of all of them. You know, but. <laughs> uh, so Lex climbs the ladder, and as he does it, of course, he steps on Otis's hand. Uh, who's, who's holding the ladder for him? And then, as Brian says, he he Otis is trying to climb, but he's literally pulling the balloon down. And and uh, so Lex just kicks the ladder off on poor Otis. Yep. And Otis is left in the the courtyard of the uh, of the prison, the prison yard, and uh, with all the guards and the dogs come racing out toward him. And at least uh, Lex and Miss Tessmacher wave at him as they float away. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even Lex waves at him. (laughs) Did you feel let down by that as a kid? Like that he Otis wasn't going to be in the rest of the movie? You you know, I I, I didn't I didn't really think about it as a kid. I I guess maybe I thought maybe at the time that he would show back up again. But I mean, honestly, we're not going to get much more of Miss Tessmacher either. No, she's she's kind of out of the film as well, isn't she? Yes. I mean, she shows up when they the spoiler warning when they go to the fortress. But um, but uh, yeah, that's. That, yeah, we don't get a whole lot of her either. So yeah, the both of them kind of get, but they, I mean, they had three new villains to to spotlight. And yeah, I think that's and it's probably wise. I mean, I think modern films could learn from this. Is you can't cram too many villains into a film. <laughs> Spider Man Three, uh, <laughs> Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man Two. Oh, Amazing Spider Man Two. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, if what do you guys think if Otis had been in the rest of this film what could you see uh otis doing uh ned Beatty's otis doing in this in in this film i, I well, would I, I would have thought the villains just would have killed him i, I you know yeah. like i just can't see him intermixing with but you think about later on when you know ursa and they're going to be like murdering people i mean i yeah. know i mean i know that you know obviously otis was in on the plan of the first movie which was to kill most of california but I, he wasn't like literally well you know, I take that back because he was involved in the detective getting murdered 
in the yeah. first movie. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. No, my yeah. own theory doesn't make sense as I'm espousing it. So ignore me. I think well, at one point in the film, he would have gotten a bucket stuck on his foot. <laughs> and that could have spun out into something. But yeah, I don't know what he would have done other than, you know, you, you kind of have Hackman taking the comedy reins in this. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he was, you're, I don't think he was truly needed. Yeah. 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 I, I do think it might have been kind of fun to see if, if Otis and Non became buddies. That would have been cool because they're on like the same brain wavelength, you know? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, th- there you go. That that would have been an interesting um, sidebar. <laughs> they would have been like an old vaudeville team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the comedy stylings of Non and Otis. Okay, everybody. You, you know? see them like playing jacks in the corner or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, Non, <laughs> baseball teams have funny names nowadays. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. It's, yeah. It, no, it I didn't, I didn't like really. Skimpy. Yeah, I didn't really miss him, uh, to be honest. I liked him just yeah. fine in the first movie. And Ned Beatty, as, as you said, Brian, is a great actor. Everybody knows that. Oh, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't really. I was like, okay, I'm fine. And, and to me, it's like you have to kind of like do your little mental gymnastics. But like I always figured that Luthor needed Otis to help him escape for whatever reason. But he never had any intention of Otis coming along. Like this was always the plan. It was kind of like just kind of BS Otis to helping me. And then when push comes to shove – I'm kicking the ladder out. Goodbye. And and you see, even Otis is, has such um, a, a toxic relationship, to use a modern parlance, with Luthor. He's not even mad. He no, waves yeah. goodbye to them. He's like, bye, Mr. Luthor. Like, even he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> he's probably going to get a longer sentence now, but he doesn't really care because he helped his pal. So Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and he is never seen again in the Superman universe. No. No. Gone. Instead, we get Lenny Luthor. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> Who is now playing Lex Luthor. Who is now playing Lex Luthor, yes. (laughs) We've come full circle. Uh, So now we transition from the uh, prison yard to Niagara Falls. And and there's a Canadian flag. Yeah, Brian. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And and I, I don't know if you guys have ever been to the Canadian side of Niagara Falls, but you can actually easily find those, um, those places where they filmed. I've been there, and um, yeah, that that was kind of nice, actually. That was, you know, being a kid, um, th- that was kind of cool seeing Canada in in the Superman films. That's not the last time either. Mm, that's a, well, and of course, they filmed what a good chunk of like everything in Smallville was filmed in Canada. So, <laughs> yeah, I think they used Calgary. Yeah, for that, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so that that hotel, the Honeymoon Haven Hotel, is that a real hotel that they just rebranded for the the film, or that that building we see with the green like spire roof? Is that? Uh, I, I'm I'm like I I'm not an expert on the hotel part of it, but I would imagine there you know there used to be no end of these kind of cheesy little strip motels in the town. There still is some, so it wouldn't have been hard for them to just pick one and and kind of dress it up to how they wanted it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I've never I've never been myself, so uh, I always wanted to go, just never been. But uh, it's a bit tacky. <laughs> I go every year with my family. There's a district there called Clifton Hill, which ironically there is a Christopher Reeve wax figure in the wax museum there. 
does not does not look like Christopher Reeve. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's uh, it's a you know it's a vacuum cleaner for your wallet, and and you, there's all kinds of ripoff attractions and haunted houses and that sort of thing. And that's you know that's my jam, and my family love that. So we we go every year. It's an annual tradition, and we we take in something. So you know, uh, Clifton Hill and, and Niagara Falls are a big part of my life, and always have been. So. That's, it's nice that Superman Two was filmed there, and I like that a lot. Oh, cool! Well, that's cool. Good, to, we good, we got you on this minute then. Yeah, uh, yeah. This, this segment, yeah, cool. Um, so we uh, follow Lois and Clark into the hotel, and they are posing as the Smiths <laughs> on their honeymoon. Uh, and this is quite a jump uh, in this version because we did not get any kind of setup for this. Um, if you go, I know we're not going to reference it too much, but in the Donner cut, we do see Perry call them into the office and tell them, hey, I'm sending you guys on this assignment to Niagara Falls because they're scamming these young couples and they're ripping them off and you guys are going to pose as newlyweds at Niagara Falls. So here it's just like, what? What happened? How we? <laughs> I, I, I forgot that. So we didn't get any exposition at all? No. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, they, we guess... just see them in the hallway with the, the bellboy and we're like, oh, okay. All right, that's what's happening oh, here. Wow, I, I guess my mind filled in. Like it, it's been so long since I, you know, I saw it in the theater, and and I only own the Donner cut now. That oh, okay. I had completely forgotten that there's no exposition at all. Oh wow, yeah, yeah, yeah no, there's there's none. I mean, it's it's. It, I mean, we get it. Clark kind of fills in, and not in this these minutes, but in a follow up segment, he fills in what they're there for. But right now, other than them saying they're the Smiths. You could think, well, did Lois and Clark just get married? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> randomly get married after after she almost, you know, died in Paris. Did she decide to just go for it and marry Clark? And <laughs> yeah, why, why weren't we invited to the right, exactly. ceremony? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they so they're dealing with a very smart ass bellhop. Uh, it, and I'm sorry, this guy makes a crack about you know to Christopher Reeve about you know uh, you know carrying her across the threshold. And it's like, you know, I can help you or whatever. It's like, I know Clark, you know, is, you know, he's Clark Kent. He's supposed to be, and he's nerdy. He's nervous. He's, he's Clark Kent. But the dude's still six foot four and has shoulders <laughs> like a freaking battle tank. You know I mean? So that's, that's I, what I always liked about Henry Cavill's um, Superman or uh, Clark Kent is it's so ridiculous. He's so beefy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and luckily they didn't try to go for that, but yeah, the, the, it's, it's even silly on Reeve who is, you know, he's, he's well, he's a big boy. He looks like he played football in college. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it, you know, but you know, at least he affects that personality, which kind of hides that. But I mean, really, if you're and this bill hops, like maybe five foot eight or so, you know, and he's like, it's like, dude, Margo Kidder's taller than you, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> That's how good the disguise is, is that even though he's a big dude, he still seems like such a nebbish that this little shrimp of a guy can sort of like be like, oh, do you need help? Like, oh, my, what are you kidding? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, when they go, the, the bellhop shows them to this this really awful room with uh, uh, lots of pink, which we know Lois likes pink and, and Superman likes pink very much, Lois, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it's it's still like really. Have you guys ever stayed in a place this bad? I yes. I, <laughs> yes, and and on my honeymoon too. Um, oh wow! <laughs> yeah, we we're kind of kitschy people. 
to be honest with you. No. We, we, yeah, we're, we're both <laughs> like this. And, um, yeah, <laughs> we, we, we've always been this way. And, and yeah, so we, we definitely, we, uh, on our, my honeymoon was famously in Orlando in July. <laughs> Brilliant choice. Um, uh, yeah, we stayed in some doozies, man. We drove around, uh, Florida and, even uh, our honeymoon suite, like uh, we stayed at a, um, a Best Western when we got married, and it was you know in my wife's hometown, and that's uh, pretty rural. So you know we stayed in the honeymoon suite, which was you know pretty kitsch. And um, I, I've done a million toy shows all over the country, and I used to be quite uh, frugal with my hotel choices. So I, I've stayed in the creepiest places you can imagine. <laughs> Tacky. Uh, one of them. One of them. My favorite ones was it was in Buffalo, New York, and it was little cottages that you rented right next to a cemetery. So these were just these little teeny like I could you know the bathroom was like a micro bathroom, but it was just these little cottages you'd rent, and they were like thirty dollars, you know. And uh, I think it, it all came crashing to an end around like nineteen ninety eight or nine no maybe two thousand where my wife in, invoked the holiday inn or better rule, <laughs> which, which meant if you want me to come with you, you have to spend money on a hotel room. Right. That seems utterly reasonable of her. To yeah. It, yeah. I, I didn't argue with her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah we, we've kind of got that same rule too, too. It's like, you know, we, we, when we first got married and, we would stay at, you know, like you, we'd stay as cheap as we could. And then we figured out, you know, this gets really sketchy pretty quickly. <laughs> oh, it's, one of my, one of my earliest memories is I think it was like 1993. I, I went to Clifton, New Jersey to go to Chiller theater uh, with a couple friends of mine. And we stayed in this hotel. I'll never forget it. The guy's like, you want it? How many hours do you want it for? <laughs> wow. And I went the whole night. You know, like we're three guys, and um, <laughs> and he goes, "Do you want the triple X suite?" And I'm like, "God no!" And I think he gave us the triple X suite because, oh. like, every channel was pornography, oh and it's God. just like I don't like this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, Lois and Clark don't have; uh, they've got a pink, uh, a pink polyester bear rug, and uh, the flames of love that they can pull the. The rope and the, it like practically sets the hotel on fire, which I, I, I have to imagine is a huge, a huge safety hazard. I, I can't really see that happening, but um, you know, I don't know. Maybe this place is that cheesy, uh, but uh, yeah, basically we're 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 we get to explore the room a little bit, and the bellhop continues to be a total jerk to Clark, and and uh, although he does have a Clark has a funny little line when he. Uh, he says, uh, "So this is your first time at uh, at the uh, you know honeymoon haven hotel, at least together." And and Christopher Reed gets to do his little comedy thing. He's like, looks at him, and goes, oh, "Yes, you know." That's, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a cute. I, I, Christopher Reed's great with comedy, and uh, uh, so it's a cute. But uh, yeah, and and as the guy leaves, he tells him to you know to have a happy whatever. Uh, so and and Clark cuts him a really dirty look as he walks out the door it's like I, and you know he's thinking i could vaporize you right now you know? yeah. <laughs> and he gives him a tip he gives the guy a tip on top of it after all that bad service the yeah. the, the bellboy puts his hand out and he's like kind of chooses snapping his gum and of course 
Clark has to stay in character and gives the guy a gives the guy a tip on top of it. It's like, geez. Yeah, I, I kind of hope that you know he pulled a you know a, a move like he's going to do with the bully at the end of this movie and did something to this guy's car or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I know some people don't like Superman doing that, but I have no problem with it because if you know we we want to live through our characters and that's the type of guy. If I was Superman, I'd probably like have to do a little something to him to teach him a lesson. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm kind of one of the. I, I don't know where I stand on the beating up the bully at the end of this film. It's, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, beat the crap out of him, but still it's like, now you're Superman, you know, it just seems like, I don't know. I, I guess I, I just love that. My, my, that's my dad's favorite scene in this whole, in all really? movies. Yeah. He loves it. He loves it. And he, he still talks about it. I mean, that's his whole reference to the Superman movies. That's the thing he remembers more than anything is, is Superman going Clark, whatever, going back to the. The diner. roadside diner and taking care of that guy, and I've been um, working out, you know that yeah. uh, that bit, and so so I guess it's kind of cool. I've never questioned it because my dad loves it, so you know. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, I liked, I cheered as a kid. Yeah, I mean, it was you know, I, I remember being like, yeah, <laughs> closure. <laughs> Oh uh, well, I think that'll that'll bring us to the end of these minutes. You guys got anything else to to add about well, the, the, the there is a, there is a couple things I did want to mention. I love that you mentioned the flames of love. Uh, I love yeah. them because it looks like when the flames go up that high, like that would be really hot. Like that would not the, the idea of a of a fireplace is to keep yourself warm, not to burn yourself. I mean that thing is like probably a thousand degrees. So I don't know why anyone would enjoy that. I love Lois's costume. It's so forties. She looks like Eloise, yeah. you know, from those children's <laughs> books. Like with that hat. It's like I love that when he's getting the tour of the room. I love that Lois is when she rubs her foot along the bare rug. Gee, real polyester. Like I just love that. <laughs> I, I love that she can barely stay in character, and then Clark gives her that look of like, "Will you please stay on brand here?" You know, he's just that, that kind of thing. I love yeah. that, and I do want to mention the, the the bellboy. It's the the actor's name is Anthony Sher, and he is from England. And he, if you look at his IMDb, he is full of British credits. He was in Shakespeare in Love. He was in Hobbit: The Desolation of Smaug, if that's how you say it. I'm imagining he was dubbed because if he's from England, he probably spoke with an English accent. And of course, the bellboy here is very English, uh, very American. And if you you could watch the scene you could tell it's been dubbed so i assume that that is not the voice of anthony sure talking mm. because i just think he would uh, you know if you look at his credits they're all british productions so i have to so assume this, is, this was probably filmed in, in england yeah and, this uh, was filmed I, in england yeah. so you imagine that's yeah. why he was there so it's uh, a it's a very obvious set yeah 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 so. but yeah. and, and yeah. The, the last thing i do want to mention is i do find it a curious use of your two best reporters in a major metropolitan newspaper to uncover scams at Niagara Falls hotels. Like that just doesn't seem your own, your only two reporters. Shouldn't you, yeah. Shouldn't you be working on a water gauge or something, Perry? I mean, far be it for me to, to, to tell uh, the editor of the daily planet, his business, but it just doesn't seem like a good use of resources. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe a follow-up story about terrorists that just, you know, almost, almost blew, blew up, up Eiffel tower. Yeah. Yeah, and, and with the reporter who was in it, yeah. you know, maybe you want her to do some follow-up reporting on that instead of going to Niagara Falls. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, that, that you're right. That does appear a bit curious, although I will say this. 
it is this movie actually establishes the romantic connection it's not forced it takes its time with that Mm -hmm. and that's something attack of the clones should have learned from (laughs) (laughs) like you you, you're not confused by lois and clark loving each other in this movie no um I, i remember being a little weirded out of watching superman have sex Oh, yeah. You know, um, <laughs> as a kid, that was new. But, um, yeah, I, I wasn't, you know, it, it seems natural. It doesn't seem forced in any yeah. way. I kind of like that about the movie. I do respect that, even though these are not the most action-packed scenes. It, it is building the characters in the right way. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, and we can add Attack of the Clones to the questionable movies we've mentioned in this segment. <laughs> well, you know, I just I just mean that is probably like the worst on screen romance ever for me. Like it just yeah. it, it does not work for me. No, I, I don't think it really works on I, – I, I shouldn't say that as a blanket statement. But for a lot of people, it doesn't work because obviously for some people it does work. Some people uh, love it. Yeah, some people, some it's fine, it. but for me, I just don't put the. It doesn't. Two plus two does not equal four. There, <laughs> whereas, whereas in this, you get it. You 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 get the the where the relationship is going and the tension and all that. Right, right, right. Yeah. So well, I think that's uh, that'll wrap it up. If if you guys are uh, have uh, said all you can on it, <laughs> I'm satisfied. I, okay. I am I am going to say before we end end this that uh, I, what I learned in this episode is that the man behind. Plaid Stallions kind of enjoys Kish. Yeah. It's mind blown. Yeah. I know. I know. I try to keep it on the DL. <laughs> I've never looked at Brian quite the same way again. <laughs> I am filled with shame. <laughs> well, speaking of Plaid Stallions, Brian, and I love Plaid Stallions, but I got to point you. out, you have done, you have been doing a lot of YouTube videos lately, and I've been digging the, the heck out of those. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Yeah, nice self-edit there, Chris. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's 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 winter, and I'm bored, so I, I've been I set up a little studio in my basement, and um, I've just been talking about vintage toys in my collection, and it's it's really cathartic. Like, um, you start to really appreciate what you have again. It's not just something you can tell the story of how you got it or why you own it, and um, it, people seem to really be receptive to it as well. And you know, like. I, I spend my money foolishly, so it's kind of fun to um, to explain why. <laughs> Except when you go to Holiday Inn or Better Hotel. Oh no, then then, then I'm very wise. There yes. you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to tell the folks where they can find Plaid Stallions and your videos and all that? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I, the website is PlaidStallions.com, and there's links there. But you can catch us on YouTube. The the channel name is Brick. Mantooth, which is of course the the character um, that we created for Plaid Stallions, and that we have an action figure of. And in there is it's like the home for all my Mego Museum videos and my Plaid Stallion stuff, and our podcast Pod Stallions, which has its own Facebook group as well. You can seek it out, Pod Stallions Facebook group. We'd love to have you. Uh, yeah, guys, you, you're if you're not checking those out, you're really missing out. It's you you will you'll never regret checking out anything that brian's doing there it's so much fun and and rob and i have talked about how we fall down the rabbit hole 
constantly when we go and we get sucked in and it, and you'll, and you'll never regret it. It's, it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I've, I've, I'm really happy that like when Jason and I started this, we just thought, we, you know, because we were having these long rambling conversations and, you know, I think it was Jason. So we should just tape these. And I thought, you know, we probably should because it's amazing where we go. And it was amazing, but like how many folks res- dig it, how many people call, like will contact me and say, um, I want to, I want to, I keep wanting to talk. I keep wanting to reply to you guys. And that was kind of what we wanted to do. And we found a lot of like-minded people with very similar interests. And, and, you know, I, I, I'm kind of otaku about a lot of different things and, you know, I get into obsessions and it's fun to find like-minded people. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And, and, and because you do these videos and everything, it kind of, it kind of reminds me that, okay, maybe I'm not quite as weird as I think I am. There's other people <laughs> just as weird as me. Well, that, that's a, that's a compliment. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it as one. Yeah, no, that's, that's kind of the, that's, that's the whole point of it is that, um, you know, there's like-minded people out there. Right. You know, yeah. there's people who remember, um, who remember uh, episodes of the Phoenix or, you know, things like that. Right. There are, there are people out there who want to hear two nerds talk about Superman two, five minutes at a time. Yeah, it, it, exactly. That's right. Well, three nerds today. Or two, three, today, three nerds. Yes. Three nerds today. Yeah. And, and, uh, and of course, uh, coming up this uh, summer will be Amigo meet in, yes. uh, in June in Columbus. And I, I'm, Pretty sure the whole bunch is coming with me this time. We should be uh, – that's our plan, to be in Columbus in June for Migo Meet. Can you give Wonderful. us details on that? Yes, Migo Meet is uh, this June. I better say it right. Um, <laughs> just going to check the dates so I don't, I don't bungle it because of my brain's fried right now. Okay. Um, I believe it is June 15th, but I will uh, – June 15th, 14th to 15th, Columbus, Ohio. You can find it on Facebook or at the Migo Museum. Uh, this year's special guest will be, I believe, the entire crew from Migo Corporation. Wow. Marty um, Abrams, I believe. I haven't confirmed, but I think Joel Rosenweig, the president, is coming. And, of course, uh, Paul Clark, Dr. Migo, who's been consulting on this, will be there as well. And we're going to let them do a special panel, and hopefully they have some secrets and, and that they want to reveal. And um, Marty, of course, has been very generous in his time, and he usually signs, and it, it's it's wonderful. It, it Migo Me puts a face on a lot of people in our community, and I think it creates uh, not only friendship but empathy for one another. You know, like it, it, it's hard when you start to know someone; it's hard to snipe at them on a message board or in a group. Mm. And um, I think it's one of the reasons that the Migo community is so strong to this day is that there's a camaraderie there. You know, it's 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 for some people, it's all about the stuff. For me, it's actually seeing friends every year. I really enjoy that. And yeah. uh, I, I sometimes come home with no, nothing from Migo Me. Well, you know, just a couple of things. And I'm but I'm beaming. I'm excited because my batteries were recharged. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, I got to go again for the first time in several years last year just for the day. And I and I loved it. I was it, it did. It definitely recharged my my nerd batteries. It was fantastic. So if, if you guys are. What a fun, uh, fun, and it's a very laid back, uh, almost clubhouse type atmosphere. But everybody's welcome, and uh, you still can buy a lot of cool stuff there. Oh yeah, Amigo it's got a great dealer's room. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Well, I think uh, thanks again, Brian, for thank you guys joining us. Thank it you. It was great. It's great to have you. Always great to talk to you. 
and uh, I think that'll do it uh, for this episode. Uh, thanks, as always, to Pete the Retailer and Alex Robinson for welcoming us into the Movie by Minute family and allowing us to use their format. Be sure to check out all the great movie shows at moviebyminute.com. And they're doing uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens right now, which is a whole lot of fun. Kind of their their minute by minute uh, on that has just been a blast. That's a fun movie anyway, so definitely check that out. And join our never-ending battle here next week on Superman Movie Minute as the adventure continues. Bye. Bye. Take care. Good afternoon, Mr. President. Sorry I've been away so long. I won't let you down again.